You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. As we enter the fourth quarter of 2021, there are a number of factors that market participants must take into account and are already taking into account, I think. With me to discuss them is John Stopford, who's the head of multi-asset income at 91 in London. Suddenly, John, market participants are behaving differently, I think, to the last couple of years where it's been by the dips. Now they're sort of being a little bit more circumspect. We've got oil and gas prices rising precipitously, notably gas prices. Inflation, therefore, has been affected. Interest rates linked to those two things I've just described. China's property market and debt markets are rapidly becoming crises. And and there's also supply chain problems. So lots for people to think about. Or am I being too dramatic? Uh, No, I don't think so. I mean, I think people have been flagging for a while that some of the very strong tailwinds that have been behind markets over the last year, 18 months, are gradually turning into um, less supportive or possibly even um, headwinds. So obviously policy was tightened some time ago in China and we're seeing the sort of fallout from that plus, you know, additional sort of um, policy initiatives, um, you know, tightening uh, up on um, some sectors and, and, and sort of rejigging towards um, you know, trying to raise average living standards but at the expense of maybe some of the people who've done very well out of of recent times. So Chinese growth is going to be weak, uh, and that's obviously important for um, the global economy. Policy elsewhere is now having to react to um, some inflationary pressures, as you say, that the big question is the extent to which some of those just reflect transient bottlenecks which ultimately will ease and, and that's obviously hard for policymakers. but it, and and growth is past its peak so we we saw you know very strong growth as economies opened up and inevitably that's unsustainable so you're you're getting more negative surprises covid still sort of in the background um so i think it's not surprising markets have, have gone up a lot and are, are somewhat expensive so i think it's not surprising that people are you know, thinking long and hard about how they should be positioned. And it's not unreasonable, I think, to, to maybe expect a period of, of sort of correction or, or, or consolidation. Having said that, you know, I think it's hard to think that the environment is sort of very bearish in the sense that, you know, it's I, we're still probably quite early in this economic cycle. Policy is still pretty loose. And I think central banks will be will be slow to tighten aggressively um and so the sort of backdrop is probably net you know it's more glass half full than glass half empty and actually the fact that investors are becoming more circumspect typically when everyone's getting cautious um it sort of suggests that some of it's already in the price yes. so I, I would say we are you know leaning on the sort of more defensive side without thinking that this is probably that you know the catalyst for a a proper bear market we're we're due we're due a setback and 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 maybe that's what's happening now we haven't had a a sort of proper correction in markets for for some time Uh, um so you know i I don't think that's unreasonable but i think it's still probably uh, a a buying opportunity it's just maybe you want to be a little bit less aggressive or less quick Mm. to i mean to buy the sort of first dip and and let let things shake out a little bit but but our our sense is still that you know we are in a a bull market earnings are going to be pretty strong still over the next and next year um and yes rates can back up a bit further but i think 
at the moment, the market still probably believes that inflation expectations are, are well anchored. And until that changes, I think that sort of probably caps how far yields will rise. You talked about the economic cycle. and The economic cycle is an economic cycle that is unusual because it's a post-pandemic economic uh, cycle. So we've seen the bounce back. Uh, I I think uh, assigning the word cycle to what we're seeing at the moment is a little bit uh, presumptuous, John. I mean, that's just that's just um, my um, uh, sort of bearish uh, scenario comment on, on this one. And it seems to me that people are saying, OK, uh, we've got these ships sitting outside Los Angeles and Long, Long Beach Harbour, 65 of them, uh, lay, fully laden with containers. And OK, and that's just a, a bottleneck um, that, is, is, that, is, that is part of, uh, part of the bounce back that we've just seen. So this is not really a cycle. This is just an unusual event. And maybe stagflation is, is coming. I mean, people yeah, I mean, I, yeah, go on. No, I, I, I think I think all of that is is um, you know a valid uh, question or valid concern, um, and and we share you know the view I think that the risks upside risk to inflation are probably greater in this sorry cycle mm. um, or this episode yes. than than they have been over the last couple of decades because you do have you know disruptions to global trade, you do have uh, more aggressive fiscal and, and monetary policy. Um, you know, maybe some of the other factors that have re- restrained inflation are, are less powerful. And, and central banks, you know, they are to some extent trying to engineer average inflation, at least at a, at a higher level. Uh, I mean, the reason I use the word cycle is I think we did have something of a reset in terms of things like unemployment rates and whatever last year. Obviously, yeah. you know, we're, it might be a short cycle in the sense that, you know, we're recovering pretty strongly. I, I think the strongest argument for why, you know, the re- recovery or the, the, the you know, growth continues over the medium term is balance sheets of consumers in particular and companies are in pretty good shape. You've got you had big um, a big fiscal transfer from the government and also people have essentially not been able to spend. So you've got lots of, of cash sitting in uh, in savers or in, in consumers on consumers balance sheets. And, and over time, that that is likely to gradually uh, or support a higher level of consumption, I think, than, you know, and, and probably guard against um, a, a recession, I think, in in the near term. I think in the medium term, you know, if, if inflation does take off and central banks have to tighten more aggressively, then, you know, it may turn out to be quite a short cycle. Ha- having said that, we actually think, you know, some of the inflationary effects are bottlenecks they might last a bit longer i mean clearly you've got disruptions now in the energy market which is bad for growth and, and bad for inflation i mean it's positive you know inflation will be be somewhat higher but we are going to i think see some quite big base effects uh next year and inflation at least for a while is probably going to come down again not not as far as it's you know we might be ratcheting up but um you probably will end up with a period next year where growth is decent, so well above a typical trend rate because there's so much pent up fuel and policy is still relatively accommodative. Um, and inflation is a bit lower than it is now. So it's sort of back towards 2% or so. Um, and, and that's probably a relatively benign environment for, for markets. So I think at the moment we view this as, as most likely a sort of healthy correction. Um, in what is still probably a bull market. But yes, there's some writing on the wall, I think, in the medium term that, you know, it could, could be short and sharp this cycle. It could be 
could end badly with higher inflation and and ultimately central banks having to sort of pull the reins on on things again. It could end badly, and it could end badly from as yet unknown quarters. Of course, we know about China's property problems, and Evergrande is one is one company. But if there's one Evergrande, which is probably this, either the first or the second biggest property developer in China, uh, formerly building 600,000 units per year with all the associated industries. Uh, but there must be ones below them as well. And therefore, the municipality debts must also be under strain because of the complete lack of new buildings and, in fact, old buildings being destroyed. I'm being rather dramatic here, but uh, China's property bubble seems to be more of a bubble than it was when it was first touted uh, a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. So um, much more of the property buying in the last few years has been, you know, second and third uh, homes rather than yeah. first time buyers. And, and, and there's definitely speculation and, and you know, it's overinflated. Um, and yes, you're, you know, it, it is it has been an important driver of growth because lots of industries are linked to to property and also people's wealth is linked to to property. So, you know, I think that the Chinese authority try, authorities are trying to, you know, level up, I guess, um, take out some of the froth in the top and, and, and create uh, a fairer society. The danger is in doing that they leave policy too tight for too long and they don't allow things to, you know, things deflate aggressively rather than, than slowly. Um, and, and, and yes, so I think there's definitely downside risk in China in the, in the near term, I, I guess. And maybe, you know, it could be dramatic, but I, I think a lot of that, you know, it's, it's well flagged. It's, it's, it, it, I think it's to some extent in the price if you look particularly at things like, you know, um, Chinese equities and so on. Um, and I guess we're beginning to see some signs that the, the Chinese authorities are sort of conscious of the, the risk. So, you know, there've been meetings apparently with the PBOC bringing the banks in and saying, just don't cut off lending to the property sector. Mm. Um, and then obviously there's also a, a, an energy crisis at the moment globally, but particularly um, notably in China and, and possibly Europe too. Um, so that there are, you know, I'm not, I don't want to play down the, the sort of negatives or the concerns. It's just, you know, I think inevitably when everyone's talking about uh, the negatives, it does sort of suggest that um, quite a lot of it is probably already, um, reflected in people's positioning, that doesn't mean it can't go further. So, uh, and and I do think there are some very healthy aspects to uh, the global economy which you, we we shouldn't overlook. So, I, I think those, you know, we are still in the process of reopening. Services are gradually sort of coming back online, as uh, and I think the sort of COVID story is is now pretty mature. I think there are a lot of, um, uh, uh, you know, there's there's. Uh, inventory levels in lots of areas that are very low. So there's there's plenty of support for uh, sort of manufacturing globally. Generally, um, China, yes, is is it has tightened and is has adopted a sort of more orthodox approach to policy. And um, you know there are still I think downside risks through the middle of potentially or first half of next year. Um, so you know that that is important. It can't be ignored. But um, I, I guess we think that this is a 
period of slower growth and actually some of the factors that are sort of restraining growth at the moment will gradually ease as we go into next year we think. So my analogy is it's almost like the UK petrol price crisis, mini crisis where people think oh, wait a second I've got to go and queue up and, uh, and fill up and uh, not only fill my tank but bring a couple of uh, cartons as well along and, uh, and fill those up as well but of course after two or three days when people realise it's not that much of a problem, everything is better again. Is that what you're saying uh, with all the um, factors that we have both described? Everything will be fine in the end and they'll work their way through the system. Uh, well, I mean, I think so. in terms of bottlenecks, I think, yes, I think they are largely temporary. But, you know, you've had a massive demand surge and supply just hasn't been able to keep up with that. And then you've got other factors, you know, sort of um, uh, that restraining or constraining capacity in some areas so particularly in sort of commodities where you know concerns about um uh, environmental costs in the medium term i guess make it it um you know make uh, companies more circumspect about bringing on new capacity or investing in new capacity um so i'm not i i think those bottlenecks are going to remain an irritant and they're obviously you know um front and center at the moment so so but but I do think that you know some some of they are they will gradually ease I think as uh, supply responds and as demand softens a bit. Um, so yeah, I mean our, our our sense is that they are largely transitory. Although there is an underlying the, the global economy is becoming less efficient as we move away from globalization, and then clearly you know there, there there's a whole geopolitical aspect between the relationship between China and, and the US and the rest of the world. Um, and, and China itself is uh, ha- has adopted a more uh, restrictive policy setting and, and a, a less sort of business friendly policy setting. Um, and it's not clear, you know, whether all of the, the consequences of that have played out. Our sense is that China is going to remain weak for, um, you know, a, a, a couple more, a few more quarters before um, things start to normalize and easing will be targeted rather than broad base so china's moving to a lower growth growth path full stop i think but it's the, the slowdown in the short term is probably exaggerated given what we've just discussed over the last few minutes have you changed your stance at all given what's happened in september and what might happen in october and indeed the fourth quarter of 2021 and beyond have you changed your stance your portfolio stance or your strategy stance as head of multi-asset income at 91 well, we've, we, as I said, we're sort of sitting on the defensive side of, of things, but just not outright negative. And I think the next thing we're probably looking to do is to buy into weakness, because I think we are getting to a point where, you know, there's an element of maybe maybe hysteria is too strong a word. And, and maybe that, you know, we'll play it, play it as it happens, I guess. So, you know, if, if we're wrong, hopefully that will, you know, we, we will um, that will become obvious and we'll be able to. Um, you know, adjust uh, uh, accordingly. I, I think we're overall the themes that you have been highlighting. I think are reasonable. They're they're sort of part of the you know the 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 outlook is less positive than it was. Inflation is more of a concern. Policy is less supportive. China's more of a problem. But I just think that you know the market's gone from ignoring all of that to basically heavily focusing on it and it, we're getting closer to a point where i think the reality is probably somewhere in between and once we've priced in enough of the sort of concern and caution actually you know valuations will look better on assets 
And I think the underlying dynamics in terms of earnings and so on will remain relatively constructive and policy will remain, you know, um, loose, looser rather than tight. I think we're a long way from, you know, central banks completely clamping down on policy. John, thank you very much for your time. John Stopford is head of multi-asset income at 91 in London. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.